Hello, and welcome to the Thoughts and Musings podcast. I'm your host, Grant Sachs, and today we're going to be talking about a topic that's very near and dear to me. I'm actually very passionate about it. Um, but first, let's start by talking about what you can expect from this podcast going forward. And um, so I, I generally wanted it to be sort of an eclectic thought board, if you will, uh, of various topics, but I've narrowed it down to maybe seven things so that you can kind of get a better idea of what to expect going forward. And those are current affairs, uh, mental health, psychology and neuroscience, physical health and fitness, uh, philosophy, history, and drug drugs and drug culture. Um, so today we're actually gonna be talking about the last one um, and mental health. Uh, I'm actually going to school to study this topic and it is psychedelic therapy. Um, so what is psychedelic therapy? Psychedelic therapy is essentially the use of any of various different uh, psychedelic substances to assist traditional therapeutic pra practices. Um, and uh, there's actually a high, high efficacy for this sort of uh, treatment in, you know, modern therapeutic practices. And uh, it's backed up by a lot of studies. And some of those studies I'm gonna share with you now. So uh, the first one we have is a study out of Johns Hopkins. Uh, and this was done with psilocybin mushrooms and it was, used in conjunction with traditional therapy on uh, end of life or life threatening stage uh, cancer patients in their depression and anxiety. And um, actually the, the findings are just shocking, uh, shockingly good. Uh, after five weeks uh, from the initial dose, uh, the, the only dose, they took dose one time, five weeks later in the follow-up, 92% of the patients showed statistically significant reductions in either their depression or anxiety scores. Uh, and this was measured in this study by anything over 50% or more of a reduction in symptoms. So that's 92% of people experiencing at least 50%, half or more of their symptoms being reduced. That's stunning uh, in itself. But even after six months follow-up, still 79% of these patients continue to show a statistically significant reduction in symptoms. Uh, that right there was enough to sell me, but there's even more. So with MDMA, which is ecstasy on the street, um, in uh, studies with veterans with PTSD, uh, with just two doses uh, in separate sessions, along with uh, traditional therapeutic sessions, um, these patients found uh, were found to have a 66.2 remission rate, which is a uh, cessation of symptoms of their PTSD. And... Uh, this was just after two sessions, uh, you know, uh, and this is compared to, uh, you know, rates of 20 to 30% with traditional therapeutic practices after years of going to therapy, uh, which is just, it's not enough. Um, PTSD is such a debilitating disease. All of these mental disorders are so debilitating uh, and we're really in the middle of a mental health crisis. And so it's so crucial that we find new effective treatments for any of these disorders. Uh, it's just so crucial right now. So, again, 83% uh, of these patients saw an improvement versus 25% in the placebo group. And that's just a profound, uh, you know, st statistic that's just really, really effective treatment. Um, moving on to ibogaine, which is often called the African dream route. Uh, it is shown to, in, in a meta-analysis of 32 studies from 2016 found that um, it... it it lowered the uh, self-administration of cocaine, alcohol, and opiates. Uh, so that's really profound, uh, but 
all of it's profound, <laughs> but moving uh, on beyond that, in an earlier 2015 study uh, in rats, uh, nicotine administration fell 64% uh, in the rats treated with noribogaine, which is a, a, a metabolite of ibogaine. Um, <clears throat> so in light of this, the FDA has actually fast-tracked shroom uh, magic mushroom therapy research uh, and is expected to be... Um, accepted if everything goes well uh, for therapeutic uses uh, in the United States by 2021 or 2022, in addition to uh, MDMA therapy, which uh, MAPS is doing currently their phase three, which is the last phase um, uh, study on the treatment of PTSD with MDMA. And that should also be uh, legalized for therapeutic use uh, around 2021, 2022. So it's really good. Um, so how does it work? And there are a few key factors to how psychedelic therapy works. And the first and foremost that anybody will think of is the serotonin system. So psychedelics work by altering the serotonin system and how it's functioning. And the serotonin system is involved in a range of, you know, homeostatic, you know, balance, in other words, uh, balancing behaviors in the brain and body. Uh, ranging from mood, appetite regulation, uh, sexual desire, cognition, memory, uh, all of it. Uh, really, it's, it's a hugely important chemical. Um, it's mainly a messenger, so it it you know helps neurons communicate. <clears throat> so, in a lot of those disorders, OCD, depression, anxiety, there's a mm, sort of a misfiring. There's miscommunication. Serotonin isn't working properly, um, and so. Um, because a lot of psychedelics function on the serotonin receptor, there's uh, these effects that we're seeing. And, um, you know, actually one thing that serotonin does is it increases the three of the five, uh, or it increases the outcome uh, in a personality of three of five of the, you know, big five personality traits, uh, which are openness, uh, conscientiousness, neuroticism, extroversion, and, um, agreeableness. So of those five, agreeableness, which is uh, social stability, if you will, um, is increased. Neuroticism, which is negative emotionality, such as depression, anxiety, uh, all of those, uh, is decreased. And um, conscientiousness, which is motivational stability, if you will, it's uh, responsibility is another way of looking at it, kind of like a organizational skill. Uh, is increased. So it's got a really positive effect when your serotonin system is working as it should. Um, so the next uh, function that psychedelics have on the brain is in regards to BDNF. And BDNF is short for brain-derived neurotrophic factor. This is essentially something that uh, increases cell growth, uh, neurogenesis in the brain. So when you take psychedelics, hippocampal neurogenesis is increased. The hippocampus is a structure in the brain involved in uh, memory retention, short and long-term episodic and spatial memory. Um, when people are depressed, the hippocampus is actually smaller over time. It, it, the cells in the hippocampus commit apoptosis, which is they, they basically kill themselves. Um, and there's actually research showing that people who have chronic depression um, are at higher risk of Alzheimer's later in life, you know, because the hippocampus is involved in memory retention. There's this death of the cells in the hippocampus, smaller in size. Uh, you know, you can put two and two together. 
Um, so BDNF really helps kind of fertilize the brain, if you will. It, it increases cell growth. Um, it's like miracle grow. Another way of doing this is actually by getting out in the sun. Sunlight stimulates BDNF as well as exercise. And that's why you'll hear often that exercise and sunlight are so good for anxiety and depression. Uh, and actually the, the, the lowering of BDNF in the wintertime due to lack of exposure to sunlight is potentially implicated in you know, depressive symptoms and anxiety-related behaviors. Um, so really good thing there. Um, the next part is involved with the structure of the brain called the default mode network. The, D, the default mode network is essentially uh, an area involved in sense of self, it's introspection and uh, memory retrieval. And dysfunctions in, in this structure of the brain are implicated in autism, Alzheimer's, schizophrenia, bipolar, anxiety, depression, and more. Um, so it's a really important area of the brain. And it's found that people who are depressed have an overactive default mode network. They're ruminating, they're self-critical, they're hyper-focused on all of their mistakes and their past mistakes. And you know, there's just too, there's not enough in the moment and there's not enough connection with their outside world. So, you know. Um, so what psychedelics do, and actually meditation has been shown to do this too, is they decrease the activity in the default mode network. And this allows for kind of the uh, ameliorative uh, effects of psychedelics and in relation to all these you know, negative self-talk. Uh, you know, actually, one of the things is because of these new pathways in the brain that are being created and you know, in conjunction with the, de the default mode network effects, uh, we're, we're, what psychedelics do is they allow, so when you have chronic depression, you, your brain has created uh, neural highways, if you will, of negative uh, emotionality. It's, it's negative perception. It's like a lens of gray that sees and perceives the world in a negative light. And so we have these patterns of negative thinking and it's really difficult to kind of, it's harder to destroy a highway than to build a new one uh, in the brain. And so what the increase in BDNF, you know, this fertilizer, um, along with a change in, in, uh, in the way that you're seeing the world in a positive way is creating new, path allows for new pathways to be laid down during this experience. And those, those pathways last after you come back down from the experience. And even in your sober life, you are, experiencing benefits from this experience. Um, so that's really, really positive. Um, lastly is what's known as a mystical experience. And the mystical experience is not necessarily inherently religious, but it is mystical, right? So it's often referred to as uh, the experience of being all, everything at once, all is one, one is all. And you're part of this. You are the everything. You, you so because of the the uh, deactivation of the default mode network, you know the sense of self structure. You lose your sense of identity when you're having a really intense psychedelic experience, especially on the higher doses. This is colloquially referred to as uh, a, an ego death, and the ego is the identity. It's the self, and so the death temporarily of the ego uh, allows for this experience of interconnectedness with the whole universe. This can be experienced as being one with God or one with, you know, whatever your higher power is or being God temporarily, you know, in that moment. Uh, it's profound for many people. It doesn't have to be inherently religious. It can be the experience of just being everything in your, in your known uh, material universe. And this is just so perception 
shifting. It's, it gives you such perspective that you've never seen before. And uh, there's just this deep feeling of interconnectedness with all beings. And this can increase empathy and sense of well-being and purpose and meaning in life. And so this is, a, a, you know, that awe is just very beneficial for people, you know, in the long run. Um, so what are the different psychedelics that one could consume um, to have this sort of experience? So start with the main two, which are LSD and shrooms. So LSD, uh, synthesized in 1938 by Albert Hoffman, is uh, a 12-hour <laughs> journey, and it's, uh, it's described as being more electric than shrooms. It's more, you know, it's not actually found in nature. It's derived from uh, a fungus found in nature, uh, which is actually implicated in the Salem witch trials. They, they think that the, the the rye that they made the bread from had this fungus on it, and so they were hallucinating, right? So it's it's derived from that. Uh, it's not the same chemical, um, and so it's, it's it's seen as expansive, extrospective, um, you know, this stimulatory feeling. Uh, it's very profound experience, um, very conceptual. Uh, shrooms, you know, obviously are natural. They're grown from the ground. Um, they've been used for thousands of years in religious experience, uh, re religious rituals, uh, especially in uh, Latin America. Um, so shrooms are more bubbly, glowy, kind of um, dreamy. They don't have the same stimulatory nature as LSD because of the, the nature of the chemical itself doesn't bind to the dopaminergic receptors. Uh, so dopamine does not alter on a, an experience with shrooms uh, compared to LSD. Um, shrooms are more introspective. They're, they're arguably, anecdotally, uh, harder to control the experience uh, compared to LSD. So shrooms are, you know, they have a saying, with acid, you're the driver. And with shrooms, you're the passenger in the backseat. So you're along for the ride and you can't really drive anywhere. Um, Another way of putting this, is, uh, the experience in a common saying is that shrooms are the roots and acid is the branches. So shrooms are very, you know, foundational, very introspective, very, you know, down to earth type thing. And acid is more extrospective, conceptual, and uh, not so self-oriented, um, maybe self in relation to the world, but not necessarily as much uh, related to the psyche itself. Um, right, so then we have MDMA. MDMA, ecstasy, X, uh, Molly, different words for it on the street, but um, it's actually structurally similar to Adderall. It's not the same uh, class of psychedelics as LSD or shrooms. It's known as a phenethylamine. Uh, phenethylamine in the brain is actually uh, known sometimes as the love, hor uh, lo not love hormone, uh, but love neurotransmitter. Um, and phenethylamine essentially increases serotonin, uh, dopamine, uh, adrenaline, um, all of that in the brain. Um, so it's definitely got you know this uh, psycho, you know, psychedelic effect uh, in the brain. Um, MDMA actually also increases oxytocin. So it, this increases trust and bonding and empathy and it lowers inhibitions. And so this is actually really, really important for why it's so helpful uh, in, in, in treating PTSD because it can take years to develop the you know, therapist-patient trust connection that you know, is so crucial to being able to recount such negative you know, troubling experiences. It's very difficult to bring up these traumas. 
um, MDMA actually also increases uh, the ability to retrieve memories from the brain. So it's very, very helpful uh, in, especially in PTSD uh, treatment. Um, so yeah, MDMA increases bonding and trust and it's much less hallucinatory comparative to LSD or shrooms. Um, next we have ayahuasca and ayahuasca is actually the brood or oral form of DMT. DMT is the most potent, uh, arguably the most potent psychedelic in found in nature. And, um, it's actually referred to as a spirit molecule. DMT is when you inhale it, it's a 15 minute experience, but it's known to be, it, it, it's regarded as being an experience that lasts a lifetime. You're in that 15 minutes in reality, but when you're in in that space consciously it's like a lifetime it could be years is what it feels like because time dilates during psychedelic experiences and it's known as the spirit molecule uh, for a couple reasons one it's actually uh been uh discussed uh it's contested whether or not it has released at death uh, but it is endogenous to our bodies so we do have dmt in our bodies um, and it's released by the pituitary, which is uh, the very center of um, our brain. So a lot of people say that's where the spirit sits. Um, it's been a philosophical debate for years if uh, that is true. Um, anyhow, um, so the other reason is, is that when you take enough of DMT, you have an experience what's known as a breakthrough. And this is the sensation of leaving your body and you're in the afterlife or you meet god uh, you go to heaven you are god you go beyond the realm of this universe it's a very very profound experience it's a different level comparative to the other psychedelics um right so ayahuasca is the brood form of this and it actually lasts because of this it's oral it's it lasts four to six hours uh, this, is, this has been brewed for you know long long time in the amazonian you know rainforest um and in those tribes, this is a very you know, common practice for them. Um, and it's, you know, there's something that's common with that experience is to purge or to vomit. And the, the idea, the, the, the way this is perceived is as purging uh, negative emotions or trauma, um, things that are stuck in the body. It's, it's more of a, you know, release of what's holding you back. Um, Last thing on the list, and this is most definitely not an expansive, uh, you know, full list of all psychedelics. This would take hours if that was the case. Ketamine is actually a dissociative, so it's not um, actually a psychedelic, but it has a psychedelic effect uh, on the mind. It it functions like an anesthetic, so it works on the NMDA receptor. It, it, it cuts off connection to the body, right? So you're just in the mental space, and you're kind of having a trip and you're dissociated from your body so the body doesn't exist it's just this you know universe if you will um so that can be pretty profound for a lot of people and in some studies it's been shown to have up to 75 percent um reduction in, in depressive symptoms uh, in a statistically significant way um so that's a pretty important uh drug to to talk about when we're talking about psychedelic therapy so what does psychedelic therapy look like? Like what would an experience be if you're trying to have a therapeutic, uh, you know, treatment? Uh, traditionally, this is done in, 
in studies, it's done in a clinical setting. It's actually exclusively done in a clinical setting. So you you go to a hospital if you're in a study, and you know the room is not in a hospital room. It's it's dressed up. It's got you know mood lighting and oftentimes uh, symbolic art, and uh, it's it's made to be inviting and warm and comfortable and to kind of uh, facilitate that therapeutic atmosphere uh, and, and and experience. If you're on your own time, um, there's home base is a very common place to be taking psychedelics. Um, it's often regarded as being something that is going to be more. Um, it, it can it can alter the way that the experience happens because you have so much of yourself being reflected around you because your home is a place where you self-express uh, versus being in nature and nature. Um, Albert Hoffman, the man who synthesized LSD, he actually always said that. Uh, when asked what do you suggest to have a good trip, he'd say, always take it in nature. And this is a pretty common ex uh, experience for many psychonauts, as they put it, uh, people who take psychedelics. Um, and lastly, we have spiritually centered, um, uh, spiritually centered places like a church or a mosque or a temple. Um, Th these are pretty common too for people on their own time because this can alter the, the nature of the trip and kind of uh, influence different aspects of it, maybe make a more spiritual experience for the participant. Um, the last really common thing is music. Music is almost by far like a, is synonymous. The experience of music and tripping are like one for many people because music um, it, it, when you're on a psychedelic trip you're having such an emotive experience it's dramatic music becomes dramatically emotive when you're tripping even if there's no actually you're not really supposed to have words uh, as far as what the research is showing uh, classical music is deeply profound um, all music is profound anyone who's taken psychedelics and listened to music will say it's like hearing music for the first time, and I will corroborate that uh, music is deeply moving and fundamentally different on psychedelics. It is like hearing it for the. It's like the difference between watching uh, HD TV your whole life and then seeing 4K, and uh, that's the difference. It's like regular music versus 4K music, and the same thing goes for visual acuity. I mean, the sharpness of colors uh, is turned up so much. Uh, you, you see with a sharper sort of intensity. Uh, it's like looking at life in 4K, if you will. Uh, so music, an example of this uh, in my own experience would be like listening to even just, so like symphony, a symphony in on an experience like this would be, you know, they're multi-layered, you know, uh, compositions, but you can hear every instrument at once. You can hear all the layers and how they're interacting and, uh, there's just this depth it's it's almost like wider there's if that's the best way to describe it and the thing about psychedelic experiences that's you know difficult but interesting is uh that you cannot really describe uh the the concept or the 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 the, the true nature of the experience cannot be conveyed through vocabulary uh it can only be conveyed through direct experience it's such a visceral thing that um words only do justice for one who has experienced it before. Someone who's novel to psychedelics would not be able to comprehend uh, the 
portrayal that I'm giving, you'd have to experience it to really truly understand. There's just nothing that comes as close to actually having the experience um, to understand. Um, right, so like a guitar, uh, it could be just a guitar in the song. And I'd be listening to it and each note that the guitar played was a different emotion. The, the, the sound became Instead of just being an auditory experience, auditory stimuli, it was emotive stimuli. Each note, even just a half step changed, you know, up or down uh, in pitch would be a different feeling. And it, was no, it wasn't a sound anymore. It was the experience. The sound was everything. It was my experience in that moment. My perception was through the lens of that sound. And that's very difficult for a lot of people who haven't taken them to understand or conceptualize. So there's only one way to find out. Um, so uh, what does the experience entail? Uh, it's broken down into a few different, uh, you know, timeline categories. Uh, it, you know, you have ingestion and about 30 minutes to an hour, depending on the substance and dose, uh, you'll start to feel the effects where you'll have the second phase, which has come up. There's a lot of anxiety for many people during the come up uh, because of the way that it interacts with the neurochemistry in your brain. Uh, but after this initial hour to two hour period, it can, it'll become a much more euphoric and settled in experience for the majority of people. Um, that anxiety subsides and you keep moving up till you hit the peak. And the peak is the middle, uh, as far as chronologically goes, um, the middle of the experience. It's also the most intense part of the experience. It's called the peak for a reason. And this is, uh, you know, you can have pretty, you know, uh, life-changing experiences during the peak. And after the peak is the plateau, and this is a few hours or uh, even just an hour or two, depending on the substance um, of just, you know, kind of riding that peak wave. And after this uh, plateau, you'll come back down. And after the come down is actually a lot of people experience what's called the afterglow phase. The afterglow can last uh, a few hours to days to even months for some people. And the afterglow is you're no longer really tripping, you're not tripping, but the afterglow is like a sheen of gold kind of layered over your life uh, where everything is just flowing much smoother. You're in flow, everything is, uh, you're at well-being, everything is just, even the things that go wrong, it just fits and you're kind of just, it's like fixing the, the wheel on a you know, broken grocery cart, you know, the one wheel that's all squeaky and you know, jacked up and it doesn't you know, move properly. The afterglow is like you fix that wheel and you can move through the aisle. Even if there's other people in the way, you can move around them much better. So it's, that's the best analogy I can really think of off the top of my head. So what is the importance of psychedelic therapy? Uh, the reason this is so important and, uh, you know, needs this attention is because SSRIs, which is the traditional treatment for many of these disorders, are just not nearly as effective. And in this day, a modern, you know, modern day where we have a mental health crisis, you know, so many people uh, are having, you know, depressive symptoms, anxiety, and uh, suicidal ideation. And it's just, it's gotten to a point where we need more effective treatments. The treatments of the past are no longer enough, right? SSRIs, while they have been effective for some people, the, the statistics don't, can, when you juxtapose SSRIs and psychedelic treatments, uh, there's just no comparison. Uh, SSRIs, after three months of daily use, have uh, an efficacy of about 31% of patients have 
gotten treatment through that medicine. And after half a year of using them, uh, that number goes up to 65%. This is not a lot. This is very low comparative to uh, psychedelics and even other medications for other diseases uh, because a placebo, a sugar pill, has an efficacy typically of 30%, uh, a 30% treatment rate. And that's the same level of treatment that people experience after three months on SSRIs. SSRIs work very well for some people, but the majority of people are experiencing a litany of side effects ranging from weight gain, you know, loss of sex drive, uh, to emotional bluntness, even in so far, even so far to go, go so far to have people having suicidal ideation, which is effectively making the person you know, that's just ridiculous. It's the opposite of what the treatment outcome is supposed to be. There are people who have killed themselves because of uh, because of SSRIs. And, you know, there's even a warning on the, they, they, they have to issue what's called a black box warning on the, on the medication labels because there is a risk of aggressive behavior, violence, and uh, suicidal behavior uh, with these medications. And, you know, you just don't see that with psychedelic therapy. Psychedelic therapy is a one and done deal. You take the dose, you have an amazing experience. And even if it's a difficult experience, this is generally regarded by most people in the psychonaut community as uh, in hindsight being still profound and very effective uh, and helpful even, uh, regardless of any negative emotionality experienced during the time. Um, now this is not to say that psychedelics are, you know, 100%, you know, Anyone should take them. Any, not everyone should. There are people that it's right for and there are people that it isn't. But this is to say psychedelics are effective and they need to be looked at further. And the conversation surrounding them needs to change. Um, there isn't any long-term side effects in health. Uh, you know, um, and the, fact that, the mere fact that they have a 92% success rate as I said earlier in the study uh, about the cancer patients in treating depression and anxiety, 92% comparative to 31% and 65% after half a year, you take it one day and you're better. Up to 14 months is how long they followed these people and they were still better. That is profoundly effective. Um, so right, psychedelics, it's time that we change the conversation and start focusing on uh, allowing this treatment into our day-to-day -day lives because there are people who need it and uh, it's foolish and actually immoral, unethical to prevent people from having this medicine. Um, so if you want to help, here's how you can. You can visit maps.org uh, and they are uh, the multiple, multiple disciplinary uh, association for psychedelic science. They do all of the major studies that the FDA is uh, you know, working with, uh, especially on MDMA and uh, marijuana uh, for vets with PTSD. Um, they're currently in their phase three trial for uh, MDMA therapy. And uh, that's like the last one before, you know, human uh, humans can take it, um, it's approved. Um, so you can donate to them, you can read their research, you can read their uh, upcoming, you know, news. Uh, and additionally, you could visit uh, grantsax.com. That's my website, I have a blog post there. Um, all about psychedelic therapy and uh, you know just remember think about this because it's very it's very helpful and it's something that people need to know about um, so thank you guys for tuning in and uh, I'll see you next week uh,